opened your eyes to so many things where you're like, oh my God, there's so many ways to live your life. And there's so many ways to be happy and to find happiness. For me, I had lived a very square life of like neatly mapped out uh, markers. And I kind of knew from a young age, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to practice law. And so it was like this very big decision. And for anyone who has done traveling before in a non-vacation traveling way, you, you know that it just opened your eyes to so many things where you're like, oh my God, there's so many ways to live your life. And there's so many ways to be happy and to find happiness. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 254. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, veggie lovers, I have a very fun and interesting episode for you with food blogger Nisha Vora. So Nisha is a vegan recipe developer, food blogger, and cookbook author. After graduating from Harvard Law School and working as a lawyer for four years, she exchanged her casebooks for cookbooks and launched her dream career. On her website, Rainbow Plant Life, she shares unique flavor-packed plant-based recipes, and on YouTube, she's known for her fun yet educational cooking videos. Nisha's first cookbook, The Vegan Instant Pot Cookbook, was published in 2019. Her next cookbook will be published in 2024. So this is a really fun episode. We learn about Nisha and her plant-based journey. We learn about her career change, which is super interesting to work so hard and learn all of that to become a lawyer and then be like, you know, this is not for me. I admire her courage, her determination, her tenacity for going after her dreams, for getting what she wants. I love this story. I also ask her about what she learned about following her intuition and carving her own unique path, how she develops recipes. Was she always such a good cook? Her favorite type of cuisine to cook what tips she has for making delicious vegan meals for non-vegans, and of course, what she wishes more people knew. It's a really fun episode. I know you're going to love it. Thank you so much for being here, for making this a plantastic podcast. I appreciate you so much. I hope that you enjoy this episode. And now let us welcome Nisha Vora. Nisha Vora, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's exciting for me too, because I have been following your recipes in your blog for a long time. And I remember just a few years ago when I commented on one of your recipes and how much I loved it and you replied back and I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So I love your recipes and I love your food, but let's take it back to the beginning. Tell me about your vegan and your plant-based journey. How did you get to where you are now? 
Sure. So back in 2016, I started to find that when I ate meat, which I ate very regularly, I just felt a little bit weighed down and sluggish. And so I was like, maybe I'll just try not eating meat for a little bit. And I noticed I started feeling lighter and uh, just a little more energized. And But I didn't really have much more of a strong reason to do it. But I was like, let's just see how long this lasts. And eventually, I think I stopped eating fish. And I was starting to hear like this, like that, like what being vegan was like, it was becoming very popular around this time. And of course, lots of folks have been doing it for a long time, but it was becoming a little more mainstream at the time. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. Maybe that's better for me. But I I felt like I just didn't have a strong enough reason. So I would try for a day and then I'd be like, oh no, cheese is delicious. Or I love ice cream or, you know, I lived in New York city. And so I, you know, New York city pizza was a regular staple for me. And so it was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm doing you know, it's, I'm doing what I can kind of thing. Um, but as I started to get more curious about where my food was coming from, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper. And one, uh, week, my partner went on a long business trip. And normally when he goes out of town, I kind of watch the things that I normally don't watch, usually like documentaries or just like girly things, you know, a mix of both. And so I was like, I'm going to watch Food Inc., which someone had recommended, which is a documentary about kind of how our food is grown and where it comes from. And I was like, my eyes were like, oh my God, I can't believe this is how we grow food and how we, you know, uh, raise animals to become food. And so I was like, I'm going to watch more. And so the next three nights I watched, I think like nine or 10 documentaries on factory farming and big animal agriculture and seeing all of that information in such a short window of time. I was like, well, I am vegan now. Like now I have that strong reason. I was like, I can't, I just felt so blind to the fact that this was happening to billions of animals and I didn't know. And that this was having such a huge impact on the planet. And I was like, well, I have all this information now, so I'm going to do something about it. And then so I went vegan over the course of, I guess, a few nights. Wow, that's amazing. Literally binge watched all the documentaries. Yes. So, I, I, okay, so two questions. One, when your partner got back home, was that like a big shock? Like, I'm doing this now, <laughs> sort of, you know, from one day to another thing. And, oh my gosh, I just lost my second question. Start with that and my, my second question will come yeah. back to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was like, hi, honey. I'm, he was like, hi, honey, I'm home. And I'm like, hi, honey, I'm vegan. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but he's always been super supportive of everything I do. So once he got a, got over the initial surprise, it was just like, okay, this is just who you are now. And like, let's find ways to make that a part of your life in a way that's not stressful and in a way that's not difficult. And so um, since the time I went vegan, it's been very easy, like with him and he's been, you know, always insisting that we go to vegan or vegetarian restaurants when we go with friends or at least somewhere where I can eat something that's not a salad. And so luckily that transition with my partner was very easy and, um, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Awesome. And were you raised vegetarian? So my parents are vegetarian. They're from India and they've eaten a vegetarian diet basically their whole lives. But growing up, my parents were like, you can eat whatever you want outside the home kind of thing. Or like, so they would, we'd get fast food after school. We would eat, you know, turkey sandwiches at lunch and things like that. And so I didn't grow up vegetarian, but every night for dinner, or at least six nights a week, we would have a home cooked Indian meal that my mom would make. And so I ate a lot of Indian vegetarian food, but I wasn't vegetarian. Ugh, that sounds so delicious to me. So <laughs> I love that. I mean, as a child, you absolutely do not appreciate it. Of and you're course. like, burgers. Yeah, for sure. Sandwiches, <laughs> mac and cheese. You just wanted to be like all the rest of the American kids that ate all that stuff, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like there's, there's, there's a big component of my childhood, which was just trying to assimilate and trying to fit in. And uh, part of that involved not wanting 
you know, Indian food. And we can talk about later how that has come full circle. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, so when you went vegan, were, was the rest of your family surprised? How did they take it? Yeah. So I, as I mentioned, my partner, you know, initial surprise, but quickly became like got on board with it. I think my family, like my mom and dad and my sister were surprised, but also more just thought of it was like a fad or a diet. Um, Cause I'd always been like, not trying a bunch of different diets, but like I was like trying to always eat healthy. And like, so they just thought this was something I was doing for that purpose. And so initially they were just like, oh, like I'd come over the big, you can cheat on your diet. You just like have some of this thing that we made or whatever. And I'd be like, no, it's not about a diet. It's it's like the way I want to live my life. And I feel like though, within a few months, um, not that long, they were, they kind of, it clicked for them like, oh, she's vegan. Like that's part of her identity now. And so she doesn't, eat dairy or meat anymore. And that's fine. Like my parents never ate meat. So it wasn't like they felt like some sort of rejection. It was just, it took a little while for them to understand this wasn't a diet. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Let's take a little bit of a shift because I think this is another interesting part of your life, which is you had a pretty radical career change. So tell me, why did you become a lawyer in the first place? And how did you decide to make the career change when you did? Yeah. Okay. So I became a lawyer. I knew kind of as a young person, like I wanted to do something similar to that. And in college, I worked at a nonprofit legal organization where uh, we were helping mostly immigrant women who were the victims of domestic violence. And as an intern, I got to like do all the fun stuff. I didn't get to see any of the messy, um, difficult stuff. So I got to like do the stuff where I felt like I was able to use the law is this like very specific concrete tool that I could use to improve someone's life. And so I was like, this is so inspiring. I want to be able to use the law as this tool to like help people and to affect social change. So then I went to law school. I loved it. I loved the academic rigor and like the theoretical um, aspect of it. And then I started practicing law and I was like, oh my, this is not what I expected or imagined. So I practiced two very different types of law. I started doing what a lot of young law, law graduates do is to work at a big corporate law firm. So I worked at this massive firm on Wall Street where we basically represented large corporations and, and banks who had very clearly committed um, illegal, act had done illegal activity. And we were basically trying to defend them. And it, I saw how, how easy it was to use the law to basically uh, get them off very scot-free, like a slap on the wrist because they had a lot of money and influence. And then after that, for two years, I worked in a nonprofit representing low-income tenants in New York City, which is a lot more aligned with my values. But I saw how difficult it was, even though there were laws on the books to protect people like this, how difficult it was to actually use the law to affect that kind of change that I thought I could. And so seeing those very two different ways in which the law was being used was very disillusioning for me. And I was like, I don't think this is actually the thing that I want to be doing. On top of that, just like the ordinary stress of being a lawyer, I'm sure if folks are listening who are lawyers or know people who are lawyers, it's just like a taxing, stressful kind of job. So unless you really love it and your heart's in it, it's it can weigh on you a lot. So I basically was waking up every day feeling anxious, dreading going into work. And I'm not someone who normally, that's not my usual energy. Like I love doing work. I love waking up in the morning. And so I, I knew that it was very unaligned or misaligned with what I wanted to be doing. And so around the time I went vegetarian and vegan, I was just posting photos of food that I was making on Instagram as a creative outlet. And I kind of took off and I was like, maybe I can turn this into a career of some sort. And and that was sort of the infancy of, of Rainbow Plant Life at the time. 
Wow. That's so amazing. And I agree. I would say that for medicine, there's a lot of similarities to what you're saying in that feeling where you get demoralized because, you know, I've wanted to be a doctor since I was like four. And when you're a little kid, you just think of all the possibilities and the infinite possibilities. And you think of just like how amazing it is to help people. But the problem is we're trapped within a system that limits those infinite possibilities. And so in order to do the work you thought you were going to do, you have to either fight against the system or completely step outside of the system, you know, because the system has its own rules and it can really beat you down. Just like in the legal arena, same thing in medicine. We have the same issues. We're like all like, yeah, we're going to help people. Then we go to the system. We're like, oh, but this is not what I thought it was going to be. I completely understand that. I just can imagine the pressure you've felt because when you went to Harvard, like that's a big deal. I mean, you were probably like super duper, like well-prepared, very well-educated. Everybody's like, wow, you have this career. Same thing happens in medicine. You pay a lot for, right? You like end up in this thing. You spend so many, not just in money, but in time and effort and, and just sacrifice, right? Because whatever you're training you don't get to hang out and do all the stuff that everybody else is doing, right? So then you get there and you're like, oh, I don't necessarily like this. I'm going to go a different path. So how were you able to follow your intuition and carve a path that was right for you? Can you tell me a little bit about that process and kind of some of the conflicts that you felt? Yeah, this is a really good topic uh, that I think a lot of people struggle with, particularly folks who come from immigrant backgrounds whose parents, you know, have worked so hard to put them in a particular position. And then it's like, oh, but maybe that's not the position I want to be in. So for me, it kind of started with, so I worked at this corporate law job for two years and I was so miserable there. And my partner was also doing the same, but a little bit less miserable for a variety of reasons. But we both were like, this is, this is not really how we should be living our lives. Like we knew that we weren't going to do this for very long. It was just to help pay some bills. But at the same time, it was like, there's no point in waking up every day miserable and coming home miserable every day. And I could see folks at the law firm, at all law firms that people I knew worked at, you know, good people turning into unhappy people and miserable people and people who stopped saying thank you and people who stopped treating other people with respect. And I was like, that's really not the path I want to go down on. And so after two years, my partner and I made this really big decision that we were going to quit and backpack around the world for six months. And I think it was such a decision out of left field for me. I had lived a very square life of like neatly mapped out uh, markers. And I kind of knew from a young age, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to practice law. And so it was like this very big decision. And for anyone who has done traveling before in a non-vacation traveling way, you you know that it just opens your eyes to so many things where you're like, oh my God, there's so many ways to live your life. And there's so many ways to be happy and to find happiness. For me, I had lived a very square life of like neatly mapped out uh, markers. And I kind of knew from a young age, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to practice law. And so it was like this very big decision. And for anyone who has done traveling before in a non-vacation traveling way, you you know that it just, that my, you know, colleagues and classmates and everyone kind of anticipated and saw myself doing. And so when I went back to practice law after that in a, in a different context, um, it wasn't easy to leave by any means. It wasn't easy to say goodbye to a career that I had dreamed of and had worked so hard to get, but it felt a little more 
possible because I knew that that I had taken a risk before and that I could continue taking big risks. And so uh, I I took the I took the risk. I started working at a food startup in New York City while I built Rainbow Plant Life on the side. And I would say the first year or two were really hard in the sense that like I grappled with my identity a lot. I was like, who am I if I'm not this like smart, hardworking lawyer? Like, will anyone still think that? of me. Uh, and like, did I just throw away a really great career? Like, and so there were a lot of, uh, identity questions i started to feel in the beginning, in the first year or two. And then I think over time, when you start to see yourself engage in the process and enjoy your new work and thrive, like once you start to see that it, or once I started to see that, I started to feel more comfortable in my decision. And eventually it became very clear, like this was absolutely the right decision for me. Hey y'all, you may know that I am actually a practicing pediatrician in real life. So I run my own practice. It's called Nourish Wellness here in my small town in Yakima, Washington, and I love it. I have been a private practice owner for the past seven years. I love being my own boss. I love creating this beautiful space the way I want it and just creating this amazing experience for my patients and their families being able to infuse it with love and compassion. And also I love setting my own hours and allowing enough time to see patients in a way that feels good for both me and for my patients and their families. But I'm gonna be real with you. There are some parts of being a private practice owner that can be tough. Definitely the administrative side, definitely dealing with insurance companies, trying to figure out how to get paid, how to make it sustainable, how to make sure that I can keep my doors open so that I can continue to provide this amazing service. And one of the key components of creating such an efficient practice is using the right tools. And so that's why I was so happy when I found my new electronic health record. This is the system that I use to write all the charts, but also to help communicate with families and to facilitate information going in and going out to families. I found TriMed. TriMed is a small company. They specialize in pediatrics. But what I love about them is that they have literally the best customer service in the world. They're friendly, they're just so helpful. And my EHR is completely customized. So it's made for us. It has been customized to the way that we do our workflows, how we work more efficiently. It allows us to communicate with our families, allows us to get the forms and documents that we need, whether it's a new ADHD evaluation or whether it's a new patient that we need to get all of their uh, forms signed. It really has been amazing for us and it just continues to get better and better with time. So for all of you out there who are considering starting your own practice or who you already have your own practice, but you need to find a better solution for your electronic medical record, your electronic health record, practice management system. I really highly recommend TriMed. I think you're gonna love it. Look into it. Their website is trimedtech.com. That's T-R-I-M-E-D-T-E-C-H.com. And as you'll see, all the reviews online are very positive. And people will say over and over and over again that their customer service is the best. And I can attest to that because we have definitely worked with them a lot to optimize our system, make it the way we want. And we're still not done because it's getting better and better every day. So 
I am recommending to you, if you are looking for a new EMR, even if you're not a private practice owner, but you're part of a system, y'all are looking into getting a new electronic health record, I recommend that you look into TriMed. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I love that you're sharing your story because I think it helps give other people courage that they are able to change their mind or evolve and change their path in life. You know, I think a lot of us, like you said, especially when we're raised at the beginning to be like, this is your choice. And then you stick to your choice. We feel very like, okay, we can't deviate from that, but it's totally possible. And sometimes it ends up being even better for you. And you're able to radiate more joy because you're happier yourself. Let's talk about that transition from being a lawyer to starting Rainbow Plant Life. Uh, I'm curious about your cooking. So have you always loved cooking or was that something that just started later on? So I started cooking in high school. So not like it wasn't like I was four years old and I knew I wanted to, to cook or anything, but I really started to fall in love with cooking more from like a learning perspective initially than from an actual doing perspective. So as I mentioned, I, you know, I did well in school. I like loved learning. And so I applied that same mentality to cooking almost like I, my dad would record the Food Network shows for me and I would watch them at home and I would take notes by hand or my mom would drop, go to the mall and drop me off at Barnes & Noble and I would just sit in the cookbook section and like pour over cookbooks and be like, oh, that's a that's a cool technique for cooking or, you know, and so I just absorbed a lot of information and I, I cooked certainly, but I feel like I the focus for me was like, I just want to learn so much about cooking. And so I eventually started cooking a lot for my friends and family and it, but it was always just kind of a hobby just like this fun little thing and I never kind of envisioned it as a career obviously that changed later and uh so when I went vegan I felt like I had to learn a little bit of a different style of cooking and so that reinvigorated my love for cooking and renewed that interest in it and so that made it feel like a very obvious path to pursue because I was like, I've always loved this. And now I love it even more because I feel like I understand where my food's coming from. And I have this reason for being vegan and have this new way of cooking that I want to explore and I want to share with people. Mm -hmm. And so at some point you have to decide to go all in. So tell me about that process. Was it pretty scary? Were you excited? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was working at a food startup. I was doing everything from food photography, recipe development, social media, and I really enjoyed it. It was a vegan food startup. It was like aligned with my interests, but I just felt like there wasn't enough of Nisha to do both, to like build Rainbow Plant Life and to work at the food startup. And it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I want to you know, spend my weekends having fun. And so I'm not willing to do both. I was like working all the time and it wasn't, it still wasn't enough time. And it wasn't enough like mental capacity to do the both, like to turn off one hat and to put the other hat on. I don't know if that analogy <laughs> makes sense if you turn off hats, but you know what I mean? Um, and so I just felt like I needed more of my full self in order to like really create the business and the and the lifestyle and the brand that I wanted to create. And so eventually after two and a half years, I was like, I just, I just need to do this for myself. And I wasn't making that much money from Rainbow Plant Life at the time, but I was like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, and then that's, I took the leap. I love it. Well, the decisions before that culminated into that, right? Like you had already had practice. Yeah. You had already had practice and be like, it's going to work out. 
I'm going to do something non-traditional. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. I love that. It's like, it it gives you confidence, all those decisions beforehand. That's really cool. For sure. Yeah. I love to ask, you know, you know, cookbook authors and bloggers how they go about creating recipes. I love cooking, but I'm the laziest cook ever. And I like, I always dread when I post something on social media because people are like, oh my God, give us the recipe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally just like threw this together. (laughs) So I always admire organized recipe creators. So tell me, how do you go about developing your recipes and testing them and all of that? Yeah. So like most folks who create or develop recipes, I have lots of sources of inspiration. So sometimes it might be the seasons and I'll go to the farmer's market. Like it's spring right now, asparagus is in season. And so I might bring that home without knowing for sure what I want to test with it. But then I start to think, okay, what ingredients do I like with asparagus? What have I had? When have I had asparagus before that really inspired me or impressed me? And then I start to tinker from there like, oh, I really like it with walnuts. I also really like it with tomatoes. Like, And then I kind of go from there and like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then if I write it out, I'm like, that doesn't seem that exciting. Then I'll go back to the drawing board and think about other ingredients that I like with asparagus. Um, sometimes I go to restaurants and get inspiration, oftentimes from non-vegan restaurants where I see a dish and I'm like, you know what, the flavors and that would be so good with something plant-based. And I'll get out my phone, which I don't like doing at dinner, but if I really have like an idea, I'll write it down in my notes like, oh, carrots, but with like a, a habanero tahini cream or something. And then I'll come home and be like, okay, like where can I, how can I pick up on this? Um, sometimes I see recipes in magazines or other cookbooks that aren't vegan. Um, and I think about how I can adapt that or those flavors or maybe those textures or something they're like uh there's a like a light bulb switch for me and I'm like ah like let me try that and then sometimes it's just comfort foods that people like that I know they would enjoy and and I think about how can I veganize that okay it typically has like heavy cream would cashew cream be a good substitute would coconut milk be better like just kind of tinkering with those kinds of concepts and so there yeah lots of different sources of inspiration but when it comes to actually developing the recipes I think I bring that very analytical mindset that I naturally have and also, you know, honed in law school and thinking really concretely about like, okay, do how do these flavors work together and how do these textures work together and would these ingredients actually be good in this? And so usually on my first recipe test, the dish isn't going to be perfect, but it's going to be edible and it's going to be something that I can like work with because I've put in, I put in a lot of pre-planning thought into the development of that recipe. And then in terms of testing, I have a full-time recipe assistant who's awesome and she tests all the recipes and then we kind of go back and forth into the kitchen like, oh, I love this one, but it needs a little bit more of this or this one was really not the best, but I think if we make these five changes, we could be at a better place. And then just kind of going back and forth until we get a recipe where we're like, wow, that is actually extremely delicious and I think everyone would think so too. And then, and then, And then the recipe is ready. That's so cool. I didn't even know that was a job. Like if I would have known that was a job, then I think I would have changed my mind about what job I wanted because anything that involves eating, I'm totally on board for. (laughs) I love it. There's also cooking and washing dishes, the less, you know, the less exciting parts, but yes, there's lots of eating. (laughs) I'll just, I'll just outsource the washing dishes part. I mean, you know, (laughs) all right. So what is your favorite type of cuisine to cook? Oh, that's a hard one. Well, it's it's not hard for me to decide, but it's hard for me to 
narrowed down to one. So I want to say Indian food because I have fallen in love with Indian food as I've gotten older and I've learned a lot from my mom. And I think just like the layering of flavors and the spices is just so incredible. Uh, but I also really love any sort of like Southeast Asian or Asian like food. So I'm just going to say the entire continent of Asia, you know, all the four and a half billion people that live there have made some really delicious food. So pretty much anything Asian, I absolutely love. Love, love, love. So you already have one cookbook. It's an instant pot cookbook, right? And then you have another cookbook Uh coming out. So can you tell me about how your first cookbook came about and then what's coming for your next cookbook? Sure. My first cookbook came out a while ago in 2019. It's called the Vegan Instant Pot Cookbook. And it's basically just a lot of delicious recipes that are vegan that you can make in your instant pot. And I was still working full time at the food startup when a publisher um, from a very good publishing house approached me and was like, hey, uh, we like your vegan Instant Pot recipes. Have you ever thought about writing a cookbook? And I was like, me? Like, what? And it was like very much so that imposter syndrome of like, you you surely don't think that I'm qualified to do this, right? Like, this is absurd that you do. But of course, you. I also said yes, because I was like, well, of course, yes, I please, I'll do this, whatever it takes. And so I wrote that cookbook while I was still working full time. And it came out in 2019. And then that was actually around like a month later, I was like, you know what, I need to do Rainbow Plant Life full time. And so that that was the first book. The second book I've been working on for quite a a while, it'll be out next year. And it's going to be a bigger kind of more ambitious project. It's my kind of approach to vegan cooking in one book and like all the tools that I use to create really flavorful vegan food in one book. So hopefully they'll be out next year. But yeah, we're in the editing phase right now. That's the best part, actually. That's where the magic happens is in the editing. So I can't wait to see that book. I know it's going to be fantastic. And Instant Pot, I mean, everybody needs to have an Instant Pot. Literally, I tell everybody that just saves your life. It helps make everything easier. I don't know how I even survived without one. So I'm glad you have that book as well. Yeah. So what tips do you have for making delicious vegan meals specifically for the non-vegans in our life? Yes. I actually developed my recipes with non-vegans in mind because I know that if a non-vegan is going to love it, everyone's going to love it. And also so many of my readers are either not vegan themselves, but try to eat as much plant-based food as they can, or they are vegan, but their family members are not. So they're cooking for uh, a mixed household. I guess you could call it a mixed household. (laughs) I said that once and someone thought I was talking about like an interracial household. I was like, those two, but I'm talking about like non-vegan and vegan households. And so one of the things I think that is a little bit of a hindrance in this area is that in some parts of the plant-based world, there's this desire to create the healthiest recipe possible. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if you're trying to feed yourself or your families, eating vegetables and all this stuff is wonderful. Uh, But if you're trying to specifically cook for a non-vegan who's maybe skeptical of vegan food, I think that if you make them like a mac and cheese with six different vegetables in it, they're not going to be like, wow, this tastes just like mac and cheese. I can't believe this is, you know, like, yes, like I'm totally on board. They're going to be like, And so I think that if you're trying to cook for a non-vegan in mind, there's certain things that you want to, you want to pay attention to, like how can you recreate the flavors and textures of kind of familiar foods in a way that they can understand. And I think often one thing that's missing in some plant-based food is umami. And so how can you find ways to build in savoriness into a dish, especially if it's a dish where you're trying to 
mimic the texture or the taste of meat. Like if you're making a taco meat or like a bolognese, like if you just do a one-for-one substitution, like, okay, no beef, I'm just going to use lentils without kind of really paying attention to how you can amp up the flavor and texture of the lentils to make them meaty. I think when you don't do that, a little bit of extra work, you're going to be left with a perfectly fine edible dish, but not something that's going to get non-vegans on board or excite them. And so I like to think about ways I can build in flavor and textures that are familiar. So for a taco meat, I might take some lentils, but then also take other savory ingredients like mushrooms and mushroom powder and walnuts and soy sauce or miso and kind of tinker with that until it tastes not like meat meat, but has like the familiar flavors of meat. And so I think that's something that's very useful when you are trying to cook for non-vegans and and say, hey, look, this is just as delicious, if not more than animal-based foods. And uh, I'm not saying you have to do this every meal. Sometimes you might just have 10 minutes to do something with a very simple bowl of lentils, and that's fine. But when you're trying to specifically cook for folks who aren't turned on to the lifestyle yet, I think it helps to do some of those extra little steps. Hey, local Yakima veggie lovers. I just want to pop in and tell you about a special workshop I'm going to be teaching right here at Nourish Wellness in the studio. It's called For Men Only, Nutrition for Health and Longevity. So this is a two-hour workshop. I'm going to be giving education, which is potentially life-saving education about conditions that affect men talk about what things they can do in their diet and their lifestyle to decrease the risk of those conditions. And then I'm going to be demonstrating four, maybe five different recipes. And for those that attend the workshop, of course, they will get to sample all of those recipes and probably leave with a pretty full stomach. I have taught this class before along with my friend Elena. I'm doing it by myself this time and it is very popular and I am telling you, it makes a difference. What you learn in this class will make a difference. So if you are a man in Yakima and you would like to attend this class, just go to our website, Nourish Yakima, N-O-U-R-I-S-H, yakima.com. Go to classes and events, you can sign up there. Or if you have a man in your life that you think would benefit from this information, please tell him about it or sign him up and just tell him where and when to show up. It is Thursday, May 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. I would love to have you there for men only, nutrition for health and longevity. I would love to have you at this workshop. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this fantastic community.
Yeah, that makes so much sense, especially I think for those of us that have been in several years and eat mostly whole foods and our brains have neuroadapted and we're used to eating all these simple foods, we forget that our palates and our brains weren't there a few years ago. Yeah. And so it's hard for us to be like, well, why, why don't you think that's the most amazing thing you've ever tasted? You know? So we have yeah. to kind of meet people where they are and prepare things in a way that aligns with what their palate is expecting to open that door, you know, because we know yeah. that once the door is open and once people start experimenting with more plant-based foods, they do neuroadapt and some of the simplest mm -hmm. foods become the most amazing yeah. flavor explosion because your taste buds and everything changes. But I agree that at the beginning, you want to, you want to make it easy for them. And I got, I fell into that trap too, because I'm always trying to make my diet as healthy as possible and optimizing my, my lifespan and my longevity. Yeah. And so then you start decreasing everything. You start decreasing the sugar, you start decreasing the salt, you take out the oil yeah. and then, you know, it tastes fine because I'm used to it. But for someone who's on the standard American diet, that's going to taste radically different than anything yeah. that they eat in their day. So, so we have to be mindful of that. So thank you for bringing that yeah. up. All right, Nisha, this has been so fantastic. I want to know, what do you wish more people knew? You know, there's an association with being vegan as, as a restriction, as like a subtraction from your diet, as a less than thing. And I wish people knew that it can be so so satisfying and fulfilling both on like a dietary level but also just on a an emotional and kind of mental level i think that there's just i feel personally and know so many people who feel amazing living this way and i think that it's fun like i think that going vegan made me a better cook like i think it, it encouraged me to explore more cuisines i feel like before i went vegan i ate like mostly american or italian food nothing wrong with either of those but like i didn't really like push the envelope in terms of what i was eating and cooking and i feel like i'm just so, such a more adventurous eater i explore different cuisines i explore different flavors and different cooking techniques and it's just like exciting to cook and to like explore all the possibilities that plants have to offer. And I think just from a non-dietary perspective too, like I have so much energy, I feel so aligned with what I'm doing and what, with my values. And I just like, I, I just feel like a uh, happier, I don't know. Like, and, and I want people to know that there's a way to live your life that is so abundant and so joyful and so delicious um, that doesn't have to require animals. Absolutely. Abundance, not restriction. That's what I try to point out to people because I think the human brain, the first thing we think about is, oh no, what am I not going to have? But you're forgetting that there's 50,000 edible plants, <laughs> you know, and just like you're saying, not just abundance in the amount of food and the different flavors we can be exposed to, but in our energy and our joy and that feeling of alignment. So I agree. I think when people change their perspective on that, it can be such an amazing, joyful experience to have in life. Do you have a morning routine? Uh, yes, most mornings. Sometimes if things are a little chaotic, uh, might slip under the rug, but most mornings I get up pretty early. I would say like 5.36 and I like to start my day with an Indian spice tea. It's basically just cumin seeds, coriander seeds, fennel seeds, and fenugreek seeds. And I find that it just, I like the ritual itself, but I also find it warms me up from the inside. It helps with digestion. And so I love starting my day with that. And then depending on the time of year, like how early the sun is up, I like to go outside and 
most mornings go for a walk. Again, if I'm really busy, I might skip the walk, but I try to go for a 20-minute walk, sometimes 30 or 40 minutes, and I just love being outside that time of day because it's pretty quiet, but the sun's out, which is great for um, promoting better sleep later in the day, great for energy in the day, and I, I just I like to get my body moving in a gentle way, and I usually go on a walk with my partner, so it's just a nice time for us to chat, check in with each other, maybe talk about work, maybe talk about other stuff. And then when I come back, I usually do maybe like an hour of work and then I will make a matcha. That's my preferred source of caffeine and maybe get back to work or maybe do some sort of Pilates or light exercise like that. And usually by then it's about 10 a.m. or 9 a.m., 9.30, 10 a.m., I don't know. And so, and then I'll probably do some more work, get, get in the kitchen, taste some stuff. And yeah, sounds amazing. I love it. I love how it's, you know, um, deliberate, but also gives you time to flow into your work. You're not just like, boom, 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 get the work done. So it sounds really good. All right, Nisha, this has been great. Can you tell us where listeners can connect with you and where they can purchase your book and how they can get on board to find out about your next book? Sure. Yeah. So my website is rainbowplantlife.com, which is where you'll find all of my recipes in printable format. And I share like lots of tips in each recipe to make sure that you can master the recipe. I have a YouTube channel where I share um, fun but educational videos on like how to cook the recipes. And that's youtube.com slash rainbow plant life. And then my Instagram is rainbow plant life. And my first cookbook, the vegan instant pot cookbook, uh, the easiest place is to get it on Amazon. If you want to support like your local bookstore, I would call and ask them to order just because it is a few years old. So they might not have it in stock. But usually I find that if you call and ask, they'll definitely order it for you. And then my next cookbook, if you want to like kind of stay up to date with when that will be out, you can sign up for our newsletter, which is free and you know, you can just head over to my website to figure out how to do that or, you know, follow me on social media. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be talking about it at some point when the time is, when the time is ripe. Awesome. Yes. You definitely will be talking about it. <laughs> All right. Last question. Leave us with your number one tip for people that are ready to make more delicious vegan meals. What should they do to get started? I think make it fun. So find a way to make it something that you look forward to and not something that you're like, oh, I should eat more vegan food because it's better for me. And like, don't make it a chore or something that you feel obligated to do. So one thing that I think is fun is for you to team up with your partner, your kids, your friend, a roommate, whoever, and maybe one night a week, if that's what's doable for you, you can do more if it works in your schedule. But one night a week, like do some little brainstorming beforehand, like maybe do a Pinterest search or like go on Instagram and send each other, oh, this looks good. Or what about this? Maybe make it a theme night. Like, oh, like this week it's, we're going to do Korean or next week we're going to do Vietnamese or next week we're going to do Mexican food. And like, maybe if you pick, I don't know, Thai food, you make a Thai curry and like a Thai noodle salad. And if you want to do dessert, maybe like a sticky mango rice kind of situation. And you do like this whole thing where you're exploring like a different cuisine or a different type of recipe. And you do it once a week or twice a week if you can. And just have, it's something that you look forward to. Because if you look forward to it, if you make it fun, if you make it low stakes, like if I don't eat vegan food, I'm just like the worst person or I'm just going to be so unhealthy. Like I think that kind of mentality can be very discouraging in the beginning. I mean, and discouraging in general, but like treating it as something you have to do. And that if you don't do it, you're a bad person or you've failed on your goals, I think is really unhelpful. And instead turning into something fun that you can look forward to, I think will make people excited and make it something that you want to 
continue doing more often and more often. Yes. Oh, that does sound like so much fun. I would love to do that. I think I'm going right? to try to do that with one of my friends. Okay, Nisha, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate everything you've done. And like I said, I've been following you. I make your recipes. They're always a hit. And the other thing I want to add about you is that you are so vibrant and joyful and you're just so cute and adorable. And I remember <laughs> one of the videos you posted about like kind of like all the bloopers behind the scenes of you like dancing around all the time when you're making your recipes. And I can tell that you're definitely aligned with your purpose and your flow. So congratulations and all that. Thank you for everything that you do. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Oh, thank you so much for your sweet words and for having me on. It was a pleasure. Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.